Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. I am your friend, your your close and personal confidant. The only thing keeping you attached to this frail and miserable world. Host, writer, and creator of the West Side Fairy Tales, Tyler Bell. <laughs> How are you doing? I hope everybody's having a good day. Um, I don't know what the fuck that intro just was, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. I'm not, I'm not going to re-record 15 intros for this damn thing. We're just going to get it. We're going to get in. We're going to get popping. We're going to get out there. We're going to get on it. All right. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I hope you are having a good time. If you are new to the West Side Fairy Tales Horror um, and, and Horror and Dark Fiction Podcast Stories Tales for Bedtime, uh, our title is so long. Um, this is not this is not that this is not one of the scary story portions of the broadcast that's that, that typically goes out this is not one of those episodes this is something else this is uh the horror and lit club it's a friendly um fun time hangout for for me to talk about stuff and for you to listen to me talk about it but you know while you're driving around in your car while you're while you're while you're sitting out there go ahead and um and, and talk back to me as though I'm there in the car with you, if you want to. My <laughs> um, man, uh, just just welcome back, everybody. Of course, um, I had a wild, wild weekend this weekend. It was it was off the chain. Um, my wife got free tickets to uh, Louder Than Life, which is a music festival in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where I live, and I got to go there on the last day, Sunday. I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers. They left early. Um, with 20 minutes of their set unfinished because they're having some sound problems. And then uh, somebody in the crowd hit Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer, in the head with a beer bottle. Um, fortunately, they're aluminum bottles, so he's likely still fine. Uh, but not not a good idea. Not a good look. I really hope um, that that guy got crowd moshed. Because, I, and I really, just let me put this out there. I really think that anybody who throws shit during a fucking show and it's not a bar show, especially like the vibes are the vibes. Okay. You know, I get it. And for those of you who don't know that much about like the metal community or, or anything like that, I, 
I'm a hardcore metal guy. Like I love death metal. I like going into pits. I was in the pit at Louder Than Life. I'm 35 years old. I have numerous injuries. I don't care because it's one of the places I feel safest in the world. It's fucking great to be in. I love getting bounced and thrown around and people pushing me. It's fucking fun. Um, and the the thing is, is like in certain aspects, I guess, and especially at music festivals, a lot of people get mixed up and they they um, they don't know how to interact with the energy, you know, that's there. And so some people, they see metalhead energy, which is extremely erratic and seems uncontrolled. And they're like, oh, it's do anything I want time. And that's not the case. All right. Um, and you might even see at certain things like guys will throw shit up onto the stage or like they'll throw shit at each other. And, you know, generally that's not okay. And that's definitely vibes based. And, and if you're not familiar with that circumstance or you just think it's probably not okay and want to try to do it anyway, just don't do it. Okay. At very specific and it's extremely rare. And I mean, I don't think anybody does it anymore. And most people didn't like it. Very specific shows you can throw shit onto the stage and the people on the stage will throw shit at you. The best indication that that's okay is the guy that is leading the band and singing will say something along the lines of like, throw shit at me, you fucking pussies. Let's fuck this pit up or something, something generally insane of that nature. That's an indication to engage in that sort of behavior. I think that uh, in general, that's a good thing to do. They will, they will, they will guide you. And if they say stop throwing stuff, don't throw stuff. And if you see people throwing stuff in the audience, it is the same as like uh, guys that are going around pulling people's pants off, tit grabbing, all that sort of shit. Mosh them, stop the pit down, point them out, and say this guy's got to go, and then give a reason. Pit justice will happen, which is never should never be violent. Usually it'll just be 15 people dragging that person out away from the crowd in the general direction of security, who will then remove them hopefully permanently from the show. But do not be throwing shit, especially at big acts. They're not, they're like, you know, it's rare. It's hard to get them in town, okay? Red Hot Chili Peppers might now literally never come back to Louisville. There's only so many opportunities for a band of that size to ever visit. And for a lot of people, that's the only time they'll ever get to see that fucking band ever. You know, if they come around once every three or four years, then you've only got like maybe five or six more shows. You never know if they're going to break up. Red Hot Chili Peppers is already an old ass band. Everybody in that band is older than my dad, which it doesn't seem like it. But yeah, Flea is like fucking 69, dude. Which is insane to think, right? Or 59, 59, not 69. That is, that is a little too old. I think the guys, that, the guys that were there for bad religion, I think they're in their 60s. But they were going fucking hard. They were going hard. Fucking metal dad. They, they, I love it. You know, punk dad. I would say overall, Sunday show, Louder Than Life, pretty good. Very punk. Uh, not punk in a good way. Punk in a bad way. <laughs> nothing's ever punk in a good way anymore. Um, people don't even know, like, I feel like the, just the new generation doesn't even understand that word. Cause it got just so bastardized in the two thousands. Maybe they're starting to bring it back, but uh, very more pop punk oriented, which isn't, you know, the worst thing in the world. The punk bands that were there were pretty chill. There was some good stuff. There was good vibes. All right. But it was, I mean, the main people up there, the main, the main stage attractions were um, 
Red Hot Chili Peppers and Incubus, and then also Alice in Chains, who are pretty good. But I mean, as far as grunge, you know, it's grunge. So um, you're not going to be fucking really rocking out in those pits or anything. So it's definitely uh, the softest side of metal, which is like, you know, in, in the direction of pop punk in my mind. There might have been some confused MGK, Machine Gun Kelly fans there, lost without their um, mothers, you know, uh, 14-year-olds wandering around in inappropriate outfits, uh, being followed by other MGK fans who are men in their 50s. <laughs> but uh, but generally, the experience was pretty good. Um, I'm really fucking tired. I, I got to start going back to those things just like, and this is just from me to you guys. And I hope you're, I hope you're sticking with this. I know I got some older folks some people my age, maybe even a little bit older, some, some younger in my audience do get out there and, and be physical. Okay. Get out there and be physical. I'm not going to tell you to lose weight. I'm not going to tell you to get stronger. I'm not going to tell you to have a specific body morphing goal in mind. Cause that we, we don't have to be about that, but get out there and get physical. Really just, just take in the sunshine, get next to other people, um, and, and just, just work up a sweat. You know what I'm saying? If, it's, if, you, if all you can do is just go sit in your garden, you're sitting in your garden right now listening to me, the most inappropriate gardening companion of all time possibly, um, hey, good job. Root up them tubers, okay? Uh, trim, up, trim up them trees, and, and, and just, just get out there. You know, I, I, it, the more I do it, the older I get, the more inclined I am to feel justified in my, my physical laziness. And it only ever puts me on this like spiral of never feeling healthy enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm always like, Oh, if I go and I do this, I'll be tired. You know, I'm in my whatever. And, you know, I did a little bit of hard stuff this week, but you know, you're always running out of time. You're always running out of time to, um, you know, not just enjoy the body you're in, but just to really see what it's, it's capable of. Okay. And you might not have the ability to get out there and do everything. All right. I am, I'm fucking in a nice, pretty walkable place. I'm a white dude. I'm fucking six, four. I can kind of go wherever the fuck I want to go. I get that. And that's not the case for everybody for different reasons. You know, I'm still able-bodied for the most part, especially compared to the, the, you know, just generally everybody. Well, not compared to generally, just like most, most people, you know, I'm, I'm fairly able, able-bodied. I can get around, I can do stuff. And even if that's not you, just try to figure out something, you know, just try to get outside, stand on the sidewalk, find a good place to be, get a bus ticket and take the bus somewhere fucking far away from wherever you are. If you're out in the sticks, try to get to a different part of the sticks, man. All right. There's a road that you haven't walked down near your house. Check it out. Unless it's fucking too scary to walk down, then don't do it. Be safe first, but really just try to get out there, get out there, get active. And do some stuff for yourself. I think it'll make you feel better. I've been, I've been feeling down lately um, because I'm turning 35, right? I'm getting old. All of the bands I liked are old. All the people that I was like, oh, man, I, I, I want to be like that guy. Kind of, you know, like those ideas, like when I grow up, those people are much closer to death now. <laughs> and, you know, there are lines on their face and stuff, and there's new people coming up, and it seems like, even though I'm getting older and um, 
you know, the people that were uh, anchors in my existence are like slowly but surely disappearing here and there. And it starts with, of course, the oldest people, you know, um, your grandparents and stuff and like old movie stars. And you like, you're like a little kid, 13 years old. I was when like John Ritter died. And I, I don't know anything or care to know anything about John Ritter. No offense to him or his fans. I know he was much beloved, but I was 13. I'd never seen anything that he was in. And it was irritating for people to talk about it nonstop all the time because it was also fucking 2003. I, was, I wasn't 13. I was probably 15. It was like the Iraq invasion and everybody was just relentlessly talking about John fucking Ritter. So, um, I, I didn't really care to hear too much about it. Um, but it, it sucks that you're kind of like, I'm always, I always feel like I'm, I'm, I'm approaching a, a point of powerlessness, which you are, you always are, you know, death is just, it's right fucking there. It's right there waiting for you. And the thing is, is like all of the problems of life don't seem like they've really been alleviated. You know what I mean? We're just kind of prevented from making these great forward leaps and I, I and, and sometimes it just does feel like you're going to run out of time before you really see the world get better but maybe that's also just a perspective thing and you're looking at things too big which I think is often the case with me I've got a pretty good life I've got you guys out there if there's five of you if there's you know a half a million someday who knows and if I, someday someday used to feel like it was a, a a closer possibility than it does today but that doesn't really matter you know because I do have some of you, it's lovely to hear from you guys. And I like that someone out there is, is getting hit by the stories. And that's what really matters. You know what I mean? And if you're out there today and you want to say hi, um, always take the time, reach out. If you want to say anything about the podcast, uh, disagree with me, agree with me, anything like that. Westsidefairytales at gmail.com. If uh, Twitter's more your speed at WSFairytales. Westside Fairy Tales, Facebook, all, all that sort of stuff. I, I, I'm taking a step back from most of the older social media platforms these days because they are just, they just don't feel like they're worth my time. Um, it, it, they're definitely a time sink. It takes a lot of effort to post on Facebook. I, I've got to do all kinds of shit to get on there. And, you know, the return isn't good. I've got like thousands of people on the Facebook groups and, and on the pages and stuff that follow me. And it shows me my engagement for stuff. And it's just like, yeah, we showed this to 53 people. It's like, well, then why the fuck am I going to use your fucking service anymore? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's the same for Twitter. I think for Twitter, it's a, a slightly different thing. I think I got a lot of followers, probably like half of the followers from my dog shit, small ass account from when I was a, uh, when I was in the true crime thing, I think my account like doubled in size, right? Um, when the whole fucking wondery thing popped off and people started following me. But unfortunately those are just like Mike Boudet fans. And I think most of them were just like, all right, well, I'm going to not talk to this fucking account anymore. And then I just get consistently like half of my new follows are from fucking new podcasts, you know, who never interact with you or like say anything. They just like follow you and you're like, Oh, Hey, follow, follow for follow back. And unironically that shit like fucks your algorithm up because the Twitter knows that you're getting fake follows and you're not getting any um, interaction. So I just, if you, if you know this, I, I had to look this up and I guess it's too late for that account. I might have to delete it unless I, unless you do something that like makes it boost with like natural engagement, you'll stop getting shown to people because you basically, what you showed is that the more followers you add, the less total overall engagement you have. So 
showing you to other people is not beneficial to Twitter's algorithm. You understand? So like you'll never trend now. You've anti-trended. You've added followers without adding comments and likes. So you're you're gonna get no engagement, which is fucking stupid, right? I can't I can't get rid of my followers unless I like restart my account, but I do consider it sometimes because God, it's so fucking irritating. I created a secondary account that I can use. I just spy on other stuff and like look around and 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 and, and look at like fucking, you know, whatever the hell so that I don't have to worry about fucking saying something dumb on the, uh, on the West side fairy tales main account. And it has just been getting bogged down. It, it, it It's getting, I, that account gets fucking followers every day and it's literally just bots, just bots. And it's already up to like 250 fucking followers worthless. I, the, the, the program is absolutely fucking broken just absolutely broken but who cares who cares in any case today's uh today's discussions what we're going to be getting into uh very shortly here are going to be barbarian the new 2022 film these are gonna be spoiler heavy too guys all right this is going to be a full discussion in context uh barbarian you can't talk about at all without being spoilery but i will keep it pretty short but that said, you should skip the discussion of Barbarian if you hadn't seen it, because I am going to end up recommending it. Um, and The Sandman, which if you if you can get spoiled on The Sandman at this point, like, I don't know, man. It's been on Netflix for like three or four weeks, and it's been, uh, it, it's been out and as a comic for, I think, longer than I've been alive. So uh, just go ahead and go ahead and check that out. So let's hop in to talking about Barbarian. Barbarian is a 2022 film written and directed by Zach Krieger, starring Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long, produced by some people. Who gives a shit? No one cares about a producer. And uh, it premiered July 22nd at San Diego Comic-Con, made $30 million, deserved every penny. I, I love this film. I love this film for a number of reasons. It's unironically just fucking good. Um, Georgina Campbell, who is uh, the main character, Tess Marshall, is uh, she's awesome. She's a great final girl character. I'm not really a final girl at all. Um, and I really just, I really hate, I hate the concepts of final girls. You know what? I might have to add another, another conversation topic to this to the, to the, today because I'm going to have to talk about my heart as a chainsaw. But anyway, so uh, Barbarian follows, and this is going to be spoiler heavy, so just hop out of here because you can have some like pretty wild fucking twists ruined for you that um, I never expected in this film, especially even just given the, uh, the, the advertising for it gave away nothing, which is perfect. So Tess is basically um, just a, a young professional. I can't remember exactly what she's doing, but she's in Detroit for a job interview, and um, I think she's actually a documentarian. So Tess finds out that she is double booked at this Airbnb with this dude named Keith, who's kind of, uh, obviously it's a very unnerving situation. She's kind of in trouble. He seems like he's very, um, he seems a little pushy. He seems a little intense. And, um, it's basically kind of just like an exercise in seeing like just how difficult it would be for these two people to interact given, you know, the awkwardness of that situation and, uh, 
the nature of gender interactions in America right now. It's a very, very modern film. It is very 2022. And uh, that's one thing I really want to touch on with this. And I might be able to get into it a little bit better. But uh, this is the best. This movie has the best um, portrayal of various social issues that I have ever seen in a film in the fucking modern era. Bar none. It is absolutely naturalistic. It is a fucking full on depiction of what it is like to be alive in America in 2022. Um, I, I, I shit, I shit on the general Hollywood fucking whatever their idea of how to make films. I fucking hate Hollywood. I always will, you know, like, okay, whatever. Marvel movies make a lot of money and they make fucking people feel good. But I mean, honestly, like who gives a shit? What a fucking dumb thing to say. I don't care. I don't care if they make you feel good. And I don't care if you feel like, I don't know uh, if you like the, 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 what I really want to articulate here is that there is this vibe that has been going on and getting fucking worse every year since like 2012 of, uh, quote unquote wokeness and anti-woke reactionary sentiment in regards to fucking every major movie released by a studio. There's always got to be some chud fucking neckbeard loser popping out of the woodwork, pissing their pants in their wife's basement about I'm fucking Ariel. The mermaid's going to be black bunch of fucking lady superheroes go woke, go broke it. I want to die every time I hear these conversations. And if you're the person that is on the other side of these issues, pissing and shitting your pants to go online and be like, this is the problem with America, this paid shill doing what he's paid to do and then just boosting this shit in the algorithm. I also don't like you. You also upset me and you make me want to perish. You make me want to crawl into a literal burning oven just so that my eyes, I'll go first, I'll go head first so that my eyes and skull are incinerated so that I no longer have to work or look upon this, this ruined world, okay? To, so the, the thoughts of the moments of you people talking to each other on the internet are just ripped from my corporeal flesh and incinerated and sent into the unforgiving skies to disappear amongst the poisoned winds of this deathless, endless hellscape that we have created for ourselves. That is how I feel about the discourse. Now, the reason that, that, that that's very upsetting to me that these first off Disney doesn't care about you. Disney doesn't give a fuck that there's a black mermaid. Disney doesn't give a fuck about black people. If Disney could make a 0.1% profit margin increase by being mean to black people instead of being nice to them, they would do that. All right. They are a soulless corporate entity. Doesn't mean it's not a good thing. But as far as good things go, it's such a fraction above bare minimum that it can't even be said to be a bump. It is literally a micron telescope looking at a line and that line has a single grayed out pixel of elevation above just not saying the N word in public whenever it comes to mind. It is not a victory. 
It is not a win. It is not to be celebrated. It is a corporate decision from a fucking, uh, from people that are literally only doing it because we have proved that if they do not do what we tell them to do, we will seriously get fucking butthurt on the internet and, and embarrass them. And potentially there could be a multi-million dollar drop in profits. That is the only thing that we can do. And then the, the way that we must thank them for this is by going and seeing their dog shit fucking movie that doesn't even look good and, 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 and horse clapping and ball slapping ourselves and sharing and liking Patton Oswalt tweets uh, that are, are persnickety to other checkmarked people because they'll be having a, Ted Cruz will start talking about how in his days uh, a mermaid could just comb her hair with a normal comb and how does she even have dreadlocks in salt water and, and then like and my, my brain every day every day closer to the end flames and fire scorching me until only the barest blackened calcified remnants of my skull remain for the distaste I have for the discourse barbarian breath of fresh air. It's like waking up again. It's like finding out that someone else was out there and there's a lighthouse on the end of the water and you go to it. Barbarian is written by a real human being. I swear to God that has touched grass and talked to other human beings and also has like fucking knowledge of social issues and just maybe reads the news on occasion. It's fucking amazing. So let's get into spoiler territory pretty quick because that's the only way we're going to be able to talk about this because the first whole section of the movie is fucking perfect. And you know, something bad is going to happen because of course it is the, do you never really get an answer? And this is the beginning of it. The careless callousness of modern society is literally the entire problem here. White supremacy, capitalist disinterest in communities and like the, the post Reagan modernization, the Reaganization of America is literally the villain in this story. Ronald Reagan literally comes on a radio during a small flashback and just basically says, yeah, I am the villain. <laughs> and it's perfect because he fucking is. So the real plot of this, the real plot of this, which I'm going to just start getting into because otherwise I'll have to do a play-by-play and I don't want to. The real plot of this is that in the 1980s, Detroit didn't fucking suck because we still had union protections. Ronald Reagan wasn't the president yet, okay? And America was still a prosperous place because we had not completely deregulated all all, all, all fucking corporate entities and basically just uh, let the capitalist overlords fucking ass blast the entirety of America with a fucking spiked dildo. Okay. The earliest scenes in this film is a man walking out onto like just the crisp green American dream, 30 year old version of a house from the 1950s, baby boom, literal baby boomers walking around their baby boomer paradise in their night in the night in their thirties. 
The guy who we see and follow throughout the entirety of this is a creepy serial killing rapist. I don't even know if he's really a serial killer. I know he's a serial rapist. Death also happens, but he's on a, on a, on a scale of perversion that is um, entirely higher than anything. It really is. It starts off or not starts off, but this guy is uh, a worse version of the bad dude from uh, Dead Silent. I can't remember what the hell the name is. The other one that takes place in a dilapidated uh, Detroit neighborhood with a baby boomer that captures women to impregnate in his basement. It's weird that we hit that twice, but we did hit that note twice. Um, so this neighborhood is like nice. And this guy who is, just literally there's no part of him. There is no part of him that is not suspicious as fuck. He leaves to go do something. I can't remember exactly what, but it's, it's already, it was like nefarious. And when he's on his way back, I think he's just getting, Oh yeah, he's getting groceries, but he's getting groceries for cutting up a body. He's buying 15 rolls of like uh plastic and shit. He goes to a hard- hardware store and talks to the lady. And he's like, I need plastic and I need tape and I need gasoline and stuff. And then I need baby shit. And he's just like, she, he's just like, uh, she's like, Oh, you're, he says he's given birth. Yeah. Because he's been raping women and, and, and keeping them in his basement and, and making them give birth. You, at one point you see the cages and stuff. It all leads into this, but it's, it's fucking, it's fucking amazing. Um, cause this is just the seed from which the entire story grows, but it's buried so late in the story that I can't talk about the story without talking about it. And I told you guys it was spoilers. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to give a home birth. I need multiple rolls of plastic. And the lady's just like, yeah, a white guy, good old fashioned. He's just an American man. Yeah. I'll help you out any way I can loads him up. Just by literally all of us know now serial killer shit. I, I had to buy multiple rolls of plastic for, insulating uh for for doing vapor barrier basically in my bathroom and i'm glad i'm glad i had my wife with me when i went because i have a cast to my eyes i think it's because i got concussions in my past um when i'm not animatedly talking like this and i'm walking around i do look like a violent idiot like i look like a like a monstrous tall stupid person it's fucking great hey you might agree that i'm just i just maybe i just look like that but i'm 64 i got a cop shaped head all right and i i walk around with like a perpetual grimace squinting because i also i have naturally bad eyes and so i just i squinted the whole time when i was a kid and i guess my face just set like that so i i just imagine me buying all of that plastic wrap like at a certain point someone's going to be like hmm Hmm. But if I bought all that plastic wrap and some diapers, I feel like it might have been an even darker thing. Just, just a cop following me out into the parking lot. Hey, sir, can I just talk to you for a second? You live around here? <laughs> but in this, it doesn't. On his way home from buying all of this shit, he sees another victim, right? And it is perfect. When I talk about perfect understanding of racial issues and like how how race is used to victimize minority and, 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 and at-risk populations. This white motherfucker gets a fucking gets out of his car. He follows this woman. He sees a cute look, looking lady, follows her home casually, puts on a fucking uh, full suited, uh, a full coveralls, 
with the name like it, it's just like Raul or or like like Javier, something like just the most just a the a Spanish ass name on this white dude living in white world in, in in the middle of the night. And you might even say like, well, maybe that might be his name, possibly. But also that just gets eradicated. And I like, I, I, I guess it, it's a good double up on you. So he puts on this thing and then he goes and says that he's from like the city inspector or something. I need to check your electrical things, walk around. The lady just lets him into his, her house, even though she's a, definitely a touch nervous. He goes in, flips open and unlocks one of the windows in the house and then just leaves. And you know, he's going to go back later. Perfect storytelling, by the way, crisp, fucking right to the point money shit that is fucking money shit god that is so fucking good just the amount of knowledge you maybe you don't even do research but you just thought about it you just thought about it and you just fucking got to it there's so much to talk about in this sequence it literally only lasts five to ten minutes and it's fucking perfect it's in the middle end of the movie and i loved every fucking second of it the whole time is vibes me and my wife in the theater just like ah yeah this fucking freak dude oh shit perfect it's perfect every time i watched it again it would be perfect he goes back to his neighborhood wearing coveralls with the wrong name on them and that is a spanish name and it's like okay maybe Maybe like, you know, whatever his name could be. You don't know his name. As far as I remember at the beginning of this, I think you might hear it later, but at this point you don't hear it. And he is getting out of his car with this bunch of groceries walking up and he looks like he is just a fucking gaunt, skeletal, short spoken, just, yep, nope, yep. That kind of guy, right? Carrying a box of diapers and shit and, and, and rolls of plastic. He does not have a wife. He does not noticeably have children. His neighbors know him by name. I think they actually call him by name, even though he's wearing a different one. Yeah. Cause the guy runs up and says, Hey bud. Hey bud. I'm just letting you know I'm moving and looks at this whole thing. Refuses to put it together. Refuses to put it together. Perfect. When you see this neighborhood in the future, the only nice house is that house. And the only reason that house is nice is because Justin Long's character, who hasn't been introduced yet, is he is just a a, a douchebag fucking loser actor from Los Angeles who might have originally lived somewhere in Michigan. But I think. I think they literally say he lives, his parents live like two hours north, which is like, well, I don't know if you can live two hours north, but they live like two hours away because north is just fucking Canada and Detroit, right? Or is it just, or is, I can't fucking remember, but they live like two hours away um, from where he is, which I think it's supposed to infer that they live in like fucking Ann Arbor or somewhere that's like really, really nice. And so he just did, he just owns property investments in Detroit that he has never been to and just rents out callously as a B&B. He is just, he is just a capitalist piece of shit with no concern for anything. And his character is amazing. We'll get to him in a second. I'm going to go, I'm going to hop back. When you go back to this neighborhood, 
the first scenes, all right, it's the first night is with uh, Skarsgård's character and, and Tess, um, Keith and Tess, Keith and Tess. I, I will use their names because I, I love these characters so well. They have a great vibe and it's also done differently. They think they're in a horror movie, both of them, because they're both in an extremely sketchy situation. And you don't realize that both of them don't actually know everything until later. And, and it, it has just a, an understanding of film and narrative uh, release of information that is pitch perfect. Keith does not want Tess to leave the house. Very, he's very insistent on it to the point where it makes her a little nervous. It's because the neighbor out, neighborhood outside, and you don't find out until the next day, is a literal fucking nightmare. All of the houses are almost completely collapsed. Um, it is not just an abandoned neighborhood. It is in the late stages of urban decay. And I have been to neighborhoods like this in Detroit. I had a friend that lived up in Roseville, um, up off of, uh, what was that, 12 Mile? Um, and so I visited him, and he's driven me around that fucking scene, 8 Mile, and the place that fucking, uh, fucking Eminem shoots with the little paintball gun and shit. The, the chicken place, I think it is. But, uh, yeah, I've, I, so I've been all around Detroit a few times. So I, I mean, at least I've, I've visited, right? I've seen, the, I've seen the fist, okay? I saw Lions Stadium before it got demolished, I think. Yeah, I think he told me it was going to get demolished, and then it was gone next time I went up there. But uh, the point is that this place is a fucking nightmare. So his, his, like, he was doing this, like, kind of, like, pseudo-chivalry thing where you're like, oh, God, this guy might be a little bit weird. He was being the most absolute gentleman. There's a great scene where he's like, okay, so the bed and, the B&B, the Airbnb left us wine. I really want to have some wine because it's going to help me relax, and I feel uh, nervous, and I want to have some wine. Earlier, I made you tea, and you didn't have any of the tea, which is fine, and that makes sense because... It, it's the world that we live in and you didn't see me make the tea or where the tea came from, but this is a sealed bottle. Okay. And I sat here and I will not open it um, until you see me open it. And then you can have some if you want to. And like, I'll drink it first. And it's this very nice, like, and he's like a, a, a sweet guy. And he's trying to make her feel a little bit more comfortable and have a conversation. And they end up having a conversation. They, they honestly get kind of close to maybe even like hooking up a little bit. And it's like, it's cute. And it seems like they have a future and it really, really establishes them as characters going forward. But you're still maybe a little bit nervous about him because, you know, it is weird. And like the whole situation's weird. And at one point in the night, she wakes up and her door's been knocked in. Not, not knocked in, but just open, even though she locked it and she gets up and she goes, what, what the fuck? And then when she looks out, she's like, oh my God, did he like open the door? But he's sleeping and not only is he sleeping, he's a fitful sleeper going like, huh, ah, 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 and like yelling and that makes her nervous. So she goes over to try to say like, hey, are you okay? And scares him so bad that he's clearly terrified of her. And he's like, yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? Why did you wake me up? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And so like all that shit happens and it's just, it's, it's, it's very good. The next day uh, she goes to see her person. So she goes and sees the, the person that she's going to get the job interview from. And that person's like, Hey, uh, literally don't go back to that neighborhood. Um, you shouldn't be standing there at all. Like no one, no one should be in that neighborhood. That's, that's dead territory, which 
if you don't know anything about Detroit, by the way, um, I know Detroit's coming back. And if you're a Detroiter person, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like doomer about it. I just want to describe the situation as it was described to me, especially in the context that I was there, which is 2006 to 2011, I think was the last time I visited. So over about a half a decade period, I got to visit twice. And, uh, even in that period, I did get to see Detroit fix itself up at least in the downtown area. But, um, Detroit is one of the most American cities. If you don't know anything about it, especially if you're not from America, Detroit, literally the motor city is a city that was built up around and built to, um, really just exemplify American cult car culture, not just, uh, being in cars, um, and driving them, but also building them and building cities around the concept of driving a car. So that's why when you hear Detroit referred to, you hear it as like, or you hear roads in Detroit referred to, you hear them as like one mile, two mile, three mile. I think it goes all the way up to 24 mile. That's because it's made with these gigantic fucking highways that go out from the center of the city. And there's rings basically of roads that go out every mile. And those are the, the roads from the center of town. And all these little areas outside of them and stuff used to be like automotive plant areas and like the, the, the realities are insane. So Detroit is, was fucking huge. The Detroit Metro is one of the biggest metros in America size and population wise. And like a third of the people or some shit left. They had to go because they can no longer afford their homes. Um, decreased support of, uh, unions and, and anti-union regulations and, um, anti-protectionist measures inside of America led to American companies moving manufacturing outside of America. This is all, they had to move all of that shit out. And so, because you know, the, the fucking Mexico was like, we'll make cars cheaper. And then we're like, well, fuck Mexicans. We hate Mexicans. So let's just do it in China and India and shit in Japan. And so they moved that stuff over here. We're only now getting some of the manufacturing of cars back in America. And it's, it's fucking insane. I mean, like literally it's the only reason that you get a manufactured overseas is just for slave labor prices. It's literally just to price the slave labor. If you make the labor, if you let, if you let them, pe- those people get paid equivalent to what American workers are getting paid so that they're not being treated like slaves. The, the cost of distribution of transporting cars across the Pacific fucking ocean clearly becomes insanely high comparatively, right? Like when you think about it, it's actually really fucking stupid that we would buy any cars, any two ton metal objects from Japan. That's insane. Like they want you there. Now they are starting to build shit here again because the slave labor wages are, are starting to be decreased. And because we are starting to say like, no, fuck it. We'll do protectionism. We'll buy a, a slightly more expensive car here that's made by Americans and keep money in America so that your whole fucking neighborhoods don't fall apart. So that, that just having that in there and, and just putting the direct correlation of this fucking white flight Reaganist mentality of the 1980s leading directly to these fucking nightmare regions lorded over by a rapist and his inbred hillbilly fucking suburban children is perfect. Uh, that's America, my friend. That's fucking, ain't it America, you and me, fucking Springsteen grade. Oh my God, that shit is fucking hot. 
I fucking love it. I love this fucking movie. But yeah, I've been to these fucking whole neighborhoods gone. And I don't mean a block, my friends. I mean a chunk of whole ass blocks upon blocks upon blocks. Like the, the, this neighborhood, like the one that they say that this, this person's in, in this thing, don't, you shouldn't go there. There's no reason to be there because there is no commerce. There are only a few people struggling to live in homes that they owned. Maybe not even that. And because they're not there, there's no tax base. And so infrastructure goes, cops won't respond or they will only respond to just like violence calls and like easy to easy to do shit. It's the case throughout all of America, but in Detroit, there was just whole lawless sections, not like lawless, lawless, but like kind of, and just the houses would rot and they would disintegrate and they would fall to pieces because a lot of them would get bought up during the uh, housing market crash at very low prices by pieces of shit like Justin Long's character. And we'll get into that in a little bit too, because I want to talk about that because this is one of the most politically interesting horror movies ever fucking made. Oh my God. So they go back. She um, goes into the basement for toilet paper because they're out of toilet paper and the toilet paper's in the basement. And that's very irritating to her. And it should be because it's irritating to me too. Mind you, this entire house has been flipped from only the ground floor up. Ground floor down is the original basement. And it's very clear because upstairs looks like every fucking Airbnb you've ever seen. Pretty yellow walls, cheap, efficient, um, furniture and surfaces. Everything's got that, like, everything's got that Ikea vibe. You know what I mean? It's all squares, primary colors, and like white and black trim. Very simplistic, very direct. The door to the basement locks from the basement side if it closes, which they don't notice right away. And so she gets locked in the basement. While she's locked in the basement, she tries to find a way out and finds out because she's the only place that she can get out is this tiny little glass window up there. And while she's down there, she finds out that there's a little shape in the wall and it's a door and there's a little string. And when you pull it, the seemingly concrete wall slides open and there's a little hallway back there. And in the hallway is a room and in the room is a bed with a mattress and by the bed with the mattress, which is very stained is a fucking 1980s reel to reel VHS camcorder. Time to go absolutely time to leave because she doesn't know yet still if Keith is cool or not. Like she hasn't really been able to double check Keith. She's looked at him. She's taken a picture of his, his like ID and stuff, but there might be, there might be something darker to him, but she's got to get out. She can't get out through there. Very, very scary. They continue. So but what happens is he comes back, lets her out. They prop open the door with a, uh, with a chair and then go down to check out stuff more. And she's starting to kind of trust him and they, they have like some conversations. It's fine. He finds another little thing and opens that. And then that door goes down a million fucking stairs into the dark and tunnels and shit. And this dumbass goes down there because he's a dude. He's a white dude. I guess, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. I'm a guy, I, you know what it is? I write horror stories. So I'm fucking like immune to this shit. 
I, I would go down there, but with like significant prep, full flashlights, they go down there with fucking cell phone lights. You know what I'm saying? And I would be going down with a full light and probably at least some sort of weapon. Not even because I'm like, oh my God, I'm nervous about what's actually down there that we find out about just because I'm like, I don't know if there's gonna be like a fucking raccoon or something. I'm gonna have to give him a little swat with a shovel, not to kill him, but to make him understand that I am also ready to fuck somebody up. If they fuck with me respect, but fucking stay away. All right. I will smash your shit. He goes down there and disappears and starts screaming a second later. Help me, help me, Tess, help me, help me. He goes down and he's crawling around. She tries to find him while she walks down there and she should have just ran. Honestly, she's too nice of a person. There are cages, like custom built, purpose built cages with fucking slotted floors for refuse to fall through and holders for bowls and shit. There's like four of them in one little area where clearly now that we know what happened, that's where the guy kept the women when he wasn't having them in the beds, I have to assume. So there is that. And then there's another thing further down another room where she doesn't quite get into. I think it might have the, the, the thing on, but he crawls out of the darkness. Oh, Tessa, Tessa, help me. I didn't get out. And she's, he's like, don't go that way. That's where the thing, that's where it was, where it bit me. And she's like, no, that's the exit. He goes, no, 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 you have to help me. You have to help me. And he screams at her like, please just help me. And something runs out of the darkness and bashes his fucking skull to nothing. And that's the end of the scene. And that's the end of the first third of the fucking movie. So good. So fucking intense. What a fucking twist too. And it's such a good twist because it's not even a twist. Something's wrong. This isn't a twist. If it was just like that person, that thing jumped through the window while they were having their like nice night and killed him. That's a fucking shyamalan late Shyamalan twist. This is perfect. There are reasons why is the house yellow? Why are they double booking people at an Airbnb? Is that even possible? What in the fuck is going on with this house? And there's so many potential answers. And then they give you this one. And it's like, I just want to know more. I love it. I'm happy. It cuts to Justin fucking long of all people. Just also looking exactly like fucking Anthony Kiedis, by the way driving on a highway in uh it's the coastal highway or whatever in los angeles the people are always driving on he, he pulls off he gets called by his agent and pulls off the side of the road in the same place that i feel like everybody that drives on that fucking stretch of road in a movie pulls off on you know what i'm talking about it's that little chunk of dirt gravelly dirt right and if you point the camera in one direction it's like the highway in the water and then if you point it in the slightly other direction it's like a beach house and like or like a hotel type thing every time every time but you always said people stand out they, they get on their sofa and they look out the water oh my god what's going on it's time to have a very deep conversation as a matter of fact i think princess carolyn why do you call me i was i was driving down the coastal highway wow that's pretty uh pretty <laughs> pretty ironic don't you think yeah it's cliche is what you're trying to say but, <laughs> but anyway, Justin Long pulls over there, right? And we get to, so he, he has a conversation and pulls over, blah, 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 blah. It all happens sort of the same times. But what we find out is that Justin Long's character is a gigantic piece of shit, right? But the thing is, is I, I'm, I'm, I'm so awful that I, I'm, I, I'm even like doubt what's, what's going on. Cause he's mad worried about it. 
And you get really just, you get fucking led by the goddamn nose with him. And he is just, his character is awful. Bad to the bone. Pure, pure evil. But he's acted so well. And Justin Long is such a nice guy in real life, you know, or he plays like likable, goofy characters. But the casting of him is perfect because he's a comedy guy. He's like a funny idiot and he's small. You know, he's not like a large, like gruff, like villainous dude. And juxtaposed even later against the fucking serial rapist, he doesn't look that bad. Like literally looks like he doesn't look that bad. So with him, uh, we find out that he, and, and, and they, they, they give it to him in that fucking traditional, like Hollywood, like half speak where they're like, they never say the entirety of the bad news. And he has to guess every, everything that's happening. He was about to have the launch of a pilot. And, uh, unfortunately the pilot's probably not going to be going ahead. As a matter of fact, the pilot's canceled. Uh, why was it? Uh, well, there's been some allegations. There's some very serious allegations. We're treating the serious allegation. He's like, and he says, who, by, by what, by, 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 and I think he actually even guesses the, the, the person it's his co-star and they're like, yes, um, this is pretty serious. And, uh, we just want you to know that, um, they have reached out to us and we will be fully cooperating. He goes, well, what do you mean? We'll be fully cooperating. He's like, you guys work with me. And they're like, well, that's the other thing. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case anymore. We're going to be dropping you as representation. And so like, it gets like, it, it snowballs more and more and it's just snowballing on him. And the thing is, is if you aren't naturally and this is really this has to be fucking said if you're not naturally predisposed to the the victim or 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 to the to, to the narratives of the victim in this like if you are not if you don't have a natural response to be like you know just like aggressively 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 when you see somebody accused of anything it doesn't matter what the the thing is specifically okay in this case it's sexual sexual assault all right i'm gonna not i'm gonna i have to i'm literally literally being a devil's advocate right now both for this piece of shit and myself advocacy even for people that are bad is good okay it's a fundamental part of the justice system if you don't accept that that makes you less of a person in a general sense, that means you're empty inside. You've lost what we call empathy. So empathizing with somebody initially, especially if they are experiencing distress, it is natural for any human to start to be on that person's side unless they have something in their disposition that would make them not. So if the first two people you see are somebody crying or like about to have a breakdown because they're being accused of something and somebody being very aggressive and, and distasteful and distrustful of that person and mean to them, if you have empathy you will naturally side with what you think is the underdog in that situation. I do not care for responses to this that are like um, based on your specific thing that happened to you. If something happened to you in your past and you feel like that, that gives you an out to be mean to somebody or to be dismissive of certain things, or like you think it gives you a special intuition, which allows you to see past um, the available facts to a deeper truth because of something that happened to you, you are deluding yourself. All right. Now you, even the person that's thinking and seeing this 
right now, you are imagining, I know because you are an empathetic person and what I just described to you is happening to you. I am accusing somebody who is a victim and now you are saying, well, I'm going to side with them over you because you're being the aggressor. You have responded appropriately. However, now you have to adjust your response with facts, which is actually what I have to do. This is executed perfectly because it allows you to see in a natural graduation without any explicit head smashing suspicious moments that Justin Long is a piece of shit into, into his bones. He's a bad person, right? The whole first chunk of him is a setup for other stuff that happens later. And you really get to see it once he gets into Detroit. But the first whole thing of him is his life being destroyed. His life work is over his show that he put his heart and soul into that I think was about uh, supposed to be like about his life or it's about him, you know? And that's why he was the, he was the, it was a vehicle show for him to become more famous. Um, not only is he not going to become more famous, he's probably done being in film at all for, well, a while. I mean, let's be honest. I, I guess maybe they do suggest that there's going to be, uh, he has to save up cause they're going to, the woman's going to sue him and there's probably going to be a criminal trial as well. Now, if there was an actual criminal trial, I could see his career being sufficiently, sufficiently derailed because that's happened to other people, but also that's not necessarily true. I mean, I'm a horror guy, right? And so I know the, the sordid underground of the horror world, and uh, I'm not going to say his name or even bother to looking it up, but the director of... Um, Jeepers Creepers, uh, specifically Jeepers Creepers 2 and I believe 3, um, but he might be the entire thing, which Justin Long is also in, by the way. He's in Jeep, Jeep, Jeepers Creepers 1. Um, that person is a pedophile, a, a literal convicted pederast. Um, he, he's a child rapist on the books, Un, beyond forgiveness and potentially beyond rehabilitation. I, I don't know. I, I've heard stories, in it, but I'm not going to get into it. But he made Jeepers Creepers 2, and I'm pretty sure 3 after that. Um, I might be getting the, the Jeepers Creepers 1, one and 2 mixed up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% sure I'm correct. But he was working on horror films and um, sexually abused and assaulted a young boy on the set of one of those films. Um, and, and tried to cover it up almost successfully, but was um, caught, arraigned, arrested. The movie still went out. And then once he got out, he was allowed to make movies again. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that somebody who gets, I, it doesn't really matter what the crime is with the most extreme of exceptions. If you have done your time, I believe that you should be allowed to return to life if we all agree on the punishment as a society or to a degree, or we just, if we have any faith in the, the system at all, you know, then you, you have to accept that once people are out of it, they should be allowed to rejoin society. This is me once again, being an advocate. If this feels weird to you or wrong, take the specific crime out of it and understand that I'm talking about all felonies all major felonies. I'm talking about murder. I'm talking about theft, burglary. I'm talking about high level white collar crime, rehabilitation and reintegration to society is necessary. That does not mean you get to pick up where you left off. That does not mean you get to not do like reparations, 
very much so, but you should be allowed to work to some degree. The material conditions of your life have changed now that people know that you are predispositioned to certain behaviors. And so you should no longer be allowed to pursue employment or existence in certain aspects of society where uh, those predilections would lead you to repeat your offenses. How about that for an actual fucking response to the question instead of, um, and if this is your response to these things in a general sense, stop talking in public and reconsider how foul you are in your heart. And that is uh, just shoot him. If you're, if your response to any crime, I don't care really what it is, as a repercussion, just shoot him, shoot him. And then like, then get, and then just varying um, degrees of perversity uh, of, 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 of virtue signaling the uh, level of pain and malfeasance and violence you would heap upon them. You are being bad. All right. It doesn't mean that you're permanently flawed. Okay. Sometimes you get what we call emotional and you say shit. I do it too. All right. There's people I've talked about and I'm like, uh, and throw away the key and worse, but don't do this. And don't let those thoughts get into your head when you're actually talking about real people and real situations that they're going to have to go through. Cause you might not know all the, all the facts. All right. We don't know all the facts here. I don't know that Justin Long is definitely guilty when he comes along, but I think it's really interesting to watch the, the progression of this. And this is very important. This is one of the big cultural aspects that I like about this film is really talking about abusers and, and sexual violence um, and, and just these power dynamics in a way that is not anvilicious. You know what I'm saying? It's good that you never see the victim. All right. You only see the perpetrator because then you can only, which is you actually are giving, you're getting the case, Right. You're going to get his whole thing and just see only this piece of shit. And like, it's really going to make you think about how you interact with it. That's the point of art. All right. It's not presenting a case for you to kind of like pick apart. This isn't true crime. This is a fucking guy. This is a fucking guy. All right. And he did some heinous shit. What actually does happen. And he basically, he confirms it once he goes back to Detroit, right? He goes to Detroit. He's in the house and the people, nothing has happened upstairs. It has been maybe days or a week or so. And, uh, he's upstairs walking around. He's like, somebody's been living here. Someone's been living here. What in the fuck? And he's getting pissed off. He calls his own, um, Airbnb brokerage company. And even they are assholes to him, which is great. And the thing is, is they were also dickheads to, um, Tess and Keith earlier. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And you don't know if the B&B company has some sort of awareness of what's going on, if they don't care, or if it's just the natural way that people treat each other in America these days. You know what I mean? Like you've had a conversation with that service representative, right? And I, it's, it, you don't need to add, you don't need to like really expect that much more from them. Cause sometimes those people are just fucking, uh, they're just assholes, you know? And, and sometimes they deserve to be because that job sucks and it doesn't pay a lot of money. If she's not answering your questions about like directly about your stay, like what, you, what can she do? And if you're going to ask her, like, can you do things that you can't do? She's like, no, I can't do it. Can you connect me to somebody that can? No, I don't even have that power. I'm literally just here for like these six things. And you're lucky I'm not a robot. It was really the whole, the whole thing. He does not do any investigations as to this person, as to the people that were staying there. He throws their stuff around. He's very dismissive of it, which, you know, uh, you know I might be too, maybe not to the degree he is where he just, just tosses Tess's laptop away, but he does go downstairs, right? And he finds the door and his reaction after he walks in, sees that there's a room with a bloody shitty fucking stained mattress and a recorder is to go, oh, fuck yeah. Is this square foot? Can I add this as square footage to this property? Because he finds out, even his accountant is letting him go, that he is about to be so broke from all the litigation he's facing that um, he, he's functionally ruined. Like the few $100,000 he has saved up are, are about to be completely gone. And it, it would deservedly so. And he goes through the same cautious, tentative exploration as the other two with an absolute disregard for the possibility that he would not be safe. There is no thought in his mind that he is not a hundred percent safe. He doesn't even put it together. And Justin Long performed. He is perfect in this role. I swear to God. It's just start to finish money his character is such a piece of shit and he does it so well. Um, I missed one scene. The first night he stays there, he sleeps in the house and then goes out and uh, meets up with a friend who's from there. And the guy's like, did you really do it? Like, did you do it? And he fucking did. He admits rape to his friend. He's like, yeah, well, you know, like, of course I didn't do it, you know, whatever the hell. I mean, one of the first reasons, the, th the moment you know things are going to flip sideways with him is when his friend calls and after all of this, like, begging and groveling and he's like, I'm a good person. I did not do this, blah, 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 blah. He answers the phone call from his bro and literally screams the F slur for gay people at the top of his lungs. With that, like that kind of rhythm and cadence, it's like, oh, and that was my moment. I was like, oh, I, I this guy's, this guy probably did it, and then some. Like, he's probably fully. There was no like, there, there, there. There's, there's going to be no gray area. I think when we find out, and it, it really isn't. So what he basically did was he got the woman who is his co-star, who, and he describes it earlier. 
she was reliant on him. It's like a throwaway line, but he got her the role on the show. And so he felt like he was owed something for her, for it. And she's a younger actress. She's reliant on him for the role. Um, he invited her over to like work on the show, but instead of working on the show, he got really pushy and like, I think he was forcing drinks on her and, and, and then basically forced her into having sex, which is yuck. Yeah. That's what it is. And so definitely going to go to trial. Who knows how, how the hell it's actually going to fucking play out. But yeah, that's a really shitty fucking situation, especially considering the fucking like insanity of the power dynamic. And the fact that you find out later, God, he's really just not a good guy. So they go into, he goes into the basement and then fucking sees the most wild shit, which is how to nurse your baby. It's a how to nurse your baby video on the TV. You find out later, this is one of the things that, uh, the dude fucking that owns the house, the original owner of the house buys when he, uh, when he goes to that fucking store back in the 1980s. So, um, Justin is literally measuring his measuring tape, right? He's like going all the way down the line and shit. And the, the thing attacks him and he tries to run away and he gets captured by it or no, he, it comes from a different direction or something. And he runs and falls into a pitfall trap and uh, gets trapped in there by the thing, which is called the mother, which we will now reveal is a completely naked, I think completely naked, the gigantic titties is out. Eight foot tall, uh, pale, inbred, monster face, humanoid creature, right? Bare, uh, unable to talk, barely can articulate any words, only can say and like literally its thing is it wants babies because it is, as we find out later, the um, numerous over and over again, a copy of a copy of a copy, as they say. So basically this dude was raping women, raping the children of the women and then raping those children's children's children for decades from the 1980s and maybe even before up into the, the 2020s, it, it, it's, I feel like very strongly implied he might still be having sex with that thing to some degree, even though when we find him later, he's bedridden um, because she is lactating. So she's uh, chemically, uh, she's, she's got fucking whatever oxytocin going and shit. So cortisol, no cortisol makes you feel good. Oxytocin is the pregnancy. I, I, I can't remember. Ladies, correct me, please. But it is, she is, she has lactation hormones going on. And so she is lactating and, uh, she tries to feed them her milk, which is, uh, not great, not ideal, but yet again, societal thing just this insane perversion of like motherhood that goes on and just patriarchy, all that sort of like just the vibe, the vibe. It's the vibe, I guess. Maybe it's not even real political commentary, but the vibe, the vibe fits. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's so fucking gross. Oh no. But uh, Tess, Tess plays the game. She's alive. We find out she's in the hole. She's, she's just been in there for days, weeks. I, I can't remember how long exactly, but it's been a minute. She was supposed to check out. So it's long enough that she was supposed to have checked out, but also uh, not long enough 
for the next Airbnb person to come by and get, and I can't reiterate this enough. At some point, somebody flipped the top of this house and did such a cheap, quick and dirty job. Fuck the basement. Barely, probably barely touched the fucking like infrastructure parts of it. You know, like that, like the fucking pipes and plumbing and stuff did the wiring and ski daddled. And I, I, I like, as just a sub narrative, I love thinking about the contractors that are here and like, <laughs> I love the thought of just these two dudes that have to go downstairs and like start fucking with some shit and doing like masonry upkeep or anything like that. Cause it's fucking, it's fucking Detroit. Right. So you're, you're going to be just fucking scabbing up some labor out there. And Oh my God. Just the thought of these dudes just seeing all this different stuff and just being like, what? And it's just like, no, 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 <laughs> no preguntas, no preguntas. <laughs> Trabajo y vamos. <laughs> y <vámonos. laughs> oh, my wife's going to listen to this and fucking absolutely mock my Spanish later, but God bless him. Uh, Oh Jesus. So he's, he's captured with her. He refuses to drink the milk. And so the mother drags him up out of the pit and goes and watches the feeding your baby. And, uh, he has to drink, he has to drink straight off the titty, which is, uh, it's no good. It's no good. It's a no good scene. That's why I don't, I don't put any fucking movie clips in these things for my YouTube demonetized baby. You can't, you can't put anything in this, but the, the movie, the movie goes on. Tess gets out. There's some like little good old horror movie hijinks. She gets in the house, out of the house, in the house, out of the house, in the house. Um, he, when she escapes, manages to go to the other end and he finds the dad that's in there, the rapist. And that guy's got fucking stacks of videotapes all up in there. And Justin Long is just like, hey, he watches one of them for a second and like sees what the guy's been doing to the women or, or whatever. It's never really explicitly described. And he's just like, that's fucking gross. And like, you're a piece of shit. Like, how could you do that? How could you do that to those people? How could you do that? And like, okay. So like, you know, that's a step too far for him. And it really does for a moment, give you that second pause where, where it's the same thing you hear in the conversations between somebody like Harvey Weinstein and somebody like uh, Jeffrey fucking Dahmer, who is like pure, 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 nothing, was not absolutely evil in the entirety of uh, Jeffrey Dahmer woke up and fell asleep to do evil shit until he got fucking caught. I guess you could say like Epstein and like guys like Epstein or, or, or Weinstein, I guess I should stick with Weinstein because he's kind of appropriate for this. Like he just had a really good mask, right? He would never do that. And he probably wouldn't. But that doesn't mean that what he was doing wasn't, if not equally as bad, bad enough to a sufficient threshold that any furtherance past that threshold is unnecessary to accurately describe the amount of harm you're causing. Like, it's like just the difference between a broken arm and an arm that's broken in three places. The arm that's broken in three places does not diminish 
the damage done by the broken arm. You know what I'm saying? So these are, these are difficult things to articulate like judiciously, judicially into uh, like the common parlance. And I really do believe, I very strongly believe that discussions of this, these types of acts and uh, the ways that society pursues quote unquote justice and rehabilitation, crime and punishment, uh, in regards to these things, the discussions by lay people are extremely hampered by people's not only, not only their ignorance in the subjects, but also their very adamant refusal to learn more as though understanding the material nature of the crimes and what happened would somehow sully them. It's, it's fundamental anti-intellectualism and, and, and at a base sense, right? And it's also in a very more, in a much more fundamental way, uh, I, I personally believe um, dismissive of and um, damaging to victims that you can't describe their crimes in, in simple language or their, their, the crimes done against them in simple language and the, the, the ways and reasoning behind what happened to them in, in every aspect, right? You don't have to limit it to these specific bits of foulness. And as a matter of fact, conversations that try to um, be reductionist in, in, in crime uh, are, are fundamentally almost always uh, detrimental, if not actively uh, retro great, like the uh, retrograde, retroactive, retroactive. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but they will actually just not only stall and diminish the ability of you to have the conversation, they'll make the conversation shittier than it could have been and potentially do harm instead of good um, simply through the way that you're talking. Because if you get to one of those points where you're sitting around with a bunch of fucking dudes with their, their fucking Dunlaps hanging over their balls and a, and a couple beers on their bellies and all they can fucking talk about is how they want to go hunt pedophiles in the fucking streets, go do it fucking shut up, leave, go do it. Otherwise, all you're talking about is just how happy you are that there's extreme punishments for people. And like, that makes you all so cool. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's fundamentally, you're just like, Hey, we're all, we're all on board about that. Right? Yes. Still going to vote for that Tennessee law. Let me uh, marry a 12 year old. If uh, I do it in God's, <laughs> <laughs> beneath the grace of God. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, man, it's a good, it's a good little thing. The guy takes his, uh, the guy has Justin long bring a gun or bring a thing over to him earlier. And he pulls a gun out then and kills himself. And then Justin long gets a gun is basically the important thing of this. And yet again, we are just trying, like, I can't even, I fucking can't get two inches in this fucking film without perfect pitch. Perfect real world analogs in this fictional thing about what would happen in this situation. Actually, Justin Long is armed with a gun and you know from the way he holds it that he is going to make a fucking mistake. There's probably people that have seen this film that say, well, he's got a gun now. The tides have turned. I, it shouldn't even be fuck using that voice. Well, he's got a gun now. The tides have turned. It's going to be some suburban guy. I think I, you know, if I had a gun in that situation, I would protect that lady. I would, I would protect that hot, the uh, uh, black temptress fucking, 
you know, people that do revenge porn in their minds are slavering at the thought. And all I can think, having been a guy that had a gun professionally with flashlights on it, walking around in dark fucking tunnels and shit in the middle of the night is how unbelievably hilariously dangerous that is nightmarish levels, especially if it's a fucking handgun, uh, which you can't hold comfortably, which people never, it's just, this is a thing that's always going to be a gripe with me. Handguns are fucking worthless. They are just bullshit. They're terrible to try to shoot at people with. They're literally only to kill other people with in like really close quarters. And they're just so fucking hilariously dangerous and hard to use in like an actual tactical situation that they cops shouldn't get them. I'm not saying cops shouldn't even have like a, some sort of firearm, but you should give them something like a single shot MP five. I'd be fine with it. Nine 11 parabellum. Okay. That's okay. Fine. All right. Give them that and have a fucking stock and a sling on it because otherwise these guys are walking, you're walking around with a fucking a weight in your hand. You're sweating. It's drippy. You've got one point of contact with the gun and your hand holding a flashlight near the barrel at the end. Cause the only way to steady a gun in a handgun is to put, to create a cross brace underneath your wrist with something, which, which is less. It looks cool. It looks cool. I get it. You're the guy you've got your dick in your hand for the first time. It's huge. It feels meaty. You are powerful, okay? I get it. And you've got your other dick, your second cock in your other hand. It's a flashlight. Hot, okay? This is the gay experience you've never been able to come to terms with you needing to have. Unfortunately, this is like the shittiest way to shine a light on something and then shoot it that literally can be thought of without just like, doing actively dangerous shit. It's just bad. Okay. First off, it's mad weird. Second, if you get like bumped and stuff, your gun hand is like next to your hand. If you trip and fall, you are going to land with a fucking loaded gun with your finger next to or on the trigger. If you're stupid enough to be walking around in the dark with a flashlight and a fucking revolver, you're going to lose a hand. All right. Or you're going to accidentally shoot someone also because you have much less gun control, which makes your, your arms ache. Okay. If you've never held a gun, do this for me right now. Find a light thing on your desk or near you, a pencil sharpener, a literal pen, find a literal pen and just hold it in your, in your thumb and forefinger out in front of you. And tell me in the comments of this video, how long you held it. All right. And now look at it once you've held it for a little bit and see how steady the end of it is. And just think that every deviation of a fucking millimeter of a degree is multiple feet after a certain, after, after a certain distance, it's multiple feet worth of inaccuracy. Okay. Now imagine it's kicking. Now try to walk with that in your hand and keep it pointed at the same thing. And tell me how good a fucking handgun is and fucking for any tactical situation as opposed to any fucking, any fucking thing else. A fucking single shot Mosin with a bent barrel, dude. I'll adapt to it. At least I can fucking hit the people with the thing after I inevitably invariably miss all my shots. Justin Long walks down the hallway, gets spooked, shoots Tess in the stomach. Of course, 
most 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 logical end to that. An untrained dipshit fucking actor from Hollywood has a gun. What did you think he was gonna do with it? <laughs> Heroism? No, he's a he's a fucking nobody rapist. He's gonna fuck up. He is gonna fuck up. He shoots Tess. Thankfully, Tess lives. Oh my God. I missed a part with Tess earlier. Tess escapes and comes back, by the way. This happens between him getting, the, oh, but while, while he's getting the gun and watching. She manages, yet again, not even a step in this, to talk to cops and has the most realistic conversation with two police officers you will ever see in a movie in your fucking life. In your fucking life, you can call 911 for an emergency right now and you will have this conversation with two people. These The cops that show up, 99% of the time. If you're black and dirty in a bad neighborhood, you're, this is how it goes, buddy. Unless you happen to talk to the one nice guy. And I know it because I've seen it a million times. The cops don't even give a shit. They'll just be dicks to people. She gets to the cops, calls them up, and she's fucking been living in a basement for two months and says, help, I've been trapped in a fucking basement for whatever, two days, two weeks, doesn't matter. Um, and there's somebody else trapped in there. And the first thing the cop says to her is, get your hands off my car. Get your hands off the car, please. That is public fucking property, you fucking, you fucking pig, dude. Oh my God. They treat her like shit. They don't listen to her. They completely ignore her. And then they fucking drive off and leave her to fend for herself. Every fucking inner you're it's rare. If you're the cop out there that's saying, Hey man, not me. Congratulations. It's only not you. It's only not you. You're the only one who it is not. It's just you, bud. God bless. Thanks for being the good one. Not even one of the good ones. You're the good one. Cops just, and you know, to a degree, and I'll give you this, because there's going to be somebody fucking, uh, they have the hardest job. It's the hardest job in the world. It's not, I did one of the hardest jobs in the world. I was a fucking infantry Marine. Eat my shit. How about that? Just flat eat my shit. My job was harder than your job. And I fucking did it without whining like a little fucking bitch on goddamn TikTok every day. Mostly because I didn't have TikTok. I would have whined though. I would have, oh God, I complained nonstop that fucking job, but I never, I never threatened to quit because they would have thrown me in jail if I did. Oh my God. They talked to the cops. The cops are worthless. She, for some reason, decides to go back and try to save uh, dipshit Justin Long's character and is shot for her efforts. He drags her out of the house and uh, they don't know where the mom is. She actually hits the mom creature, the mother, with her car and pins it against the side of the road. But when they get upstairs um, again, it's gone. And so they run away, cobble away, meet up with this uh, one black dude character who I, I, I liked it in my head canon. I don't know if they confirmed it. I think he is the child of one of the, the, the people that moved into the neighborhood in the 40s, in the 80s. Um, he's probably, he's just about old enough on it. If he's hard living on the streets, he's about you know, he, if he was 10 in the eighties, he's definitely the right age. You know what I'm saying? Uh, of the, the black family that moved in there or just even the child of one of the black families. Cause he does say he's been in the neighborhood for a long time. And, uh, they, uh, 
they go, this guy gives them basically the rundown on the neighborhood. That's when we finally get the flashback scene talking about how that serial rapist was uh, a serial rapist. And then we get to have just a perfect, if it's not a direct homage to deep blue sea, I don't know what it is because the like secretly heroic, competent black character who knows the neighborhood is summarily murdered viciously by the mother creature who bursts through the wall. They're like, how do you know you're going to be safe here? And like, it's like hitting the top of a roller coaster. The entire movie theater went, Oh no. Cause like I mean, the black guy was cool. And he's like, well, I've been living here the whole time and she's never come here once. She burst through the wall. Literally, literally as a period to that sentence rips his arm off and beats him to death with it. The rest of the way to death. This is basically the end of the movie at this point, and uh, you get to see Justin Long. Oh, no, but during this point, we get to have a monologue from Justin Long, which is perfect because it's the 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 semifinal, the penultimate part of his character arc, and it's a thing that you've heard a million times. He gives his like YouTube apology, his uh, his serious like his addressing the allegations video, like. And it's, it's fucking perfect. By the way, I haven't seen one of those in a while. I, I kind of miss them. I guess, I, I, I guess they're, I guess we're finally done with them, but he has a little speech where he goes, I don't know. And if I'm a bad person, basically he's like, and if I, if a person is bad, but they, they or a person is good, but they do a bad thing. Are they still a bad person? And like, is there a way forward? And it's a really, it's a very good articulation there's nothing wrong at all philosophically or in any even like spiritual way with what he says what he says is basically like yeah what is the nature of evil in a human heart and is it is it an all-encompassing thing or is it what we do or is it you know just a part of us and if somebody like can somebody over overcome the evil that they've done to live again in the world which is a very deep thought right? And it requires two things. It's a, it's a very deep and very good starting place. It's not an apology and it's not a dedication to living better. It's, it's literally just the articulation of the idea of evil, which is a good, it's a good philosophical quandary, but it misses two things that you need for his character to have development in an arc that changes direction to a positive way. Acceptance and acknowledgement of the evil you've done and a reparative rehabilitative plan to address the material conditions of your self that caused you to do harm or that made you enjoy doing harm, addressing those and addressing the material conditions that you have created reparatively in order to fix the harm that you've done. If you aren't willing to do both of those two things, all of you, all you've done is just articulated in a fundamental way that you know you're evil, which is fucking perfect. He described basically the, the thought processes of how to discern if something is evil and the nature of evil within something. And if he comes to those and cannot conclude as a person who has in, in, in absolutely at this point done harm, 
incontrovertibly done harm. Everybody's telling him he's done harm. And it's to a point where you're at a, you, you have to, he has to engage in extreme self delusion to think that he hasn't. So you've definitely done harm and you're not willing to address the possibility that you've done it or even the, the roads past where, and you have to fix shit. Like he's like calling up his victim and stuff and being like, like if we just talk this out, maybe, you know, I could convince you otherwise and stuff. And it's like, dude, it's, it's past that. When the lawyers are involved, you talk to the fucking lawyers because everything else is just can be used against you in a court of law, basically. And so he has that. And then we get to see his conclusion, which is kind of perfect. And I love it in this entire thing. Tess is just a victim and that's not to be diminutive or diminishing of her character. She is literally only a victim because the entirety of the systems in play only permit Tess to act as a victim or become a victim even when she's trying to avoid being victimized or helping somebody else from being victimized by being heroic. She is literally, from start to finish, not permitted to have almost any agency at all in the entirety of this thing. All right. And we get a little bit deeper. She's bleeding. They run up a water tower to try to get away from this thing because it's the only direction that they can go. It's the only path that they have to go. And Justin Long gets to the top and he's like, shit, she's going to get us. Like, I don't want to die here because he hasn't started his redemption arc and he thinks he can redeem himself. He knows in his mind that at this point, if he dies, he dies a rapist and he'll still be tried in absentia as a dead person um, in civil court. You don't, it doesn't require you be alive, especially if you have an estate. Um, If you kill yourself and stuff, there's things that can happen. Basically like you can't technically stand trial, but also like, if you go and die and especially if he's going to die in like this weird way and maybe even just disappear, especially if he just disappears, he can get tried in absentia. Um, especially for the, 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 the special heinousness of the crime and the damages caused, um, vanishing in Detroit is what's probably going to happen to him is not sufficient cause for the courts to be like, Oh, we have to drop this case. It's going to be a mistrial if he can't be here to represent himself. Cause there's going to be a significant amount of evidence against him. Um, I think it's also mentioned that there's other women too. I think that's actually said, which in which case it's going to be ridiculous, you know? And, um, I mean, honestly, most people only go to their own trials to just hear everybody talk about them. It's generally recommended that you don't, you don't say anything at your own trial because it's, well, you can only answer questions that are going to make you look bad and the, you always get a chance for cross so the prosecution's only going to make, they're only ever going to ask questions that are going to make you look bad. It doesn't even matter if you're innocent. They're going to ask you questions that make you look guilty. And the vast majority of people, vast, most 99.99% of people cannot talk with the sort of like exigency that I can on this microphone right now. And the, 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 the way that you talk about yourself in your head, if you don't know this, is not the way that you're going to sound when you talk out loud. If you haven't seen yourself talk a million times, hours upon hours upon hours of footage, like even like I have, and I will still fuck up in a court setting. You know what I'm saying? Actors that go on stage, except like Johnny Depp was one of the few people. He looks fucking great on stage when he went up 
and he still was practiced with multi-million dollar attorneys and shit. And I, I'm not saying anything in regards to that case. I don't care about the case. I'm just saying his appearance. It's one of the few times I would say I would want to be called as a witness was as literally as him. Everybody else looks like shit, especially if you don't have court training. But yeah, they would, they would probably just try him in absentia. So he's just like, yeah, I, I've got to survive so that I can try to become the good person that I know I am in my heart, which I'm going to, the first act of that is going to be to throw this fucking black woman that I fucking shot in the stomach on accident in the basement of a home I owned that I didn't know there was a rapist fucking inbred serial killing family in the basement of, um, and there's also another body then in there that she, she probably mentioned to him at some point, but he doesn't even know about, uh, I'm going to throw her off the top of this water tower as a temporary distraction so that I can get away, which is like my God, the juxtapositions. And so that's, that's who his character is. He throws her off. And then the best scene, like literally, Fucking Foo Fighters. There goes my hero. Fucking the mother jumps off the top of this fucking water tower and cradles Tess in her arms and takes the hit and lands. And Tess functionally survives the impact. And Justin Long sees it and he thinks that the, the mother's dead. He comes down, he goes, Oh my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, But you had to understand, like, it was either you or both of us. And like, he's just always, it's always excuses. You know, it's that, uh, the good thing is, and this is one of the things, this is the juxtaposition. And it's why I like Keith. Keith as a character, um, is a good guy. Keith's a good guy with flaws. He is literally hashtag not all men as a character. And he really is. He's concerned. He's a bit of a goof. He's a flawed living human being with needs and goals and wants and an entire past and future that live out of the intersection at which him and Tess cross, at least in his mind. Of course, he dies inches from Tess at the end. (laughs) She continues on without him, but he is a guy. When he finds himself in the situations with her, he's terrified for himself when he's injured and he's afraid of dying and he begs her for help. You know, he wants her to help him in other situations like that. He gets her in trouble too. It's because he's flawed, but he's flawed in a human way that anyone could be flawed in. He's a normal guy. He tries his best. He does his best. Um, to put her at ease and try to help them both live outside of the permanent shadow, the indelible penumbra of distrust and suspicion and misery that men like the rapist in the basement and fucking Justin Long's character, not Justin Long, Justin Long's character create Justin Long, the society that props him up that he knows Unlike her, he can always be a hero. He's going to walk away from that with a story. He knows it. You know it. Because you as a character, as a a viewer, understand who he is. He's white Hollywood. 
white male Hollywood. He's got some shit to go on. But when he says that he found out his Airbnb had a murder dungeon underneath it, he's going to say, I'm going to see to the allegations. I'm so sorry about this, but I found out a woman was in there. She died, you know, fighting this thing with me. He's going to try to spin it. And it's going to become because it is a story no one's heard much more sensational than his rape allegations. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm answering to them. I really am. And I am so sorry for what happened to whatever her name. And we're going to get to the bottom of that as soon as we can. But what I really need to talk about and what we really need to get to the bottom of is how black people are mistreated in this country, how, how suburban decay and rot and if, if you've been to Detroit, have you seen where the house is? I know some of you are out there, and I'm, I'm very glad. Thank you very much to the, the camera crews from uh, CNN especially. Thank you all for coming out there. And uh, thank you to the local affiliates, um, 32WLK, and, uh, and, and especially the guys on the radio, 10973. Uh, thank you all for being out there, and thank you for going on the tour with me after we had um, – and, and another thank you. Thank you to the brave men and women, especially of the Louisville – or the uh, the the, the Detroit Metro Police Authority or, or whatever the hell they're called out there for coming down and clearing that out. We had people on scene for days and weeks. We will never, as long as I live, I believe, be able to undo the stain of what's happened here. And I think even just comparison to what's going on in the world right now, this is the real problem that people have to live in these neighborhoods that, 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 that something like this could go unaddressed for so long. And, you know, I, I, I am willing, I am a hundred percent ready to face uh, the, 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 the pain that I have caused in the world. Um, but I believe that this is a moment, um, not just for me, but for America, for redemption. You fucking know that speech is coming. That's what he fucking sees in his head on the other side of another dead black woman in Detroit. That is his fucking future, dude. And that's the fuck, that's the fucking evil dude. And it's perfect at the end. Two women are laying in a bloody heap on a fucking abandoned street in Detroit and they are both victims. And there was no hope. The only possible future for them. The, the mother wants to take care of Tess because she is the fucking myth of white suburbia and of fucking literally of racism and fucking white protectionist breeding. You know what I'm saying? That fucking just an inbred, barely able to understand the concept of autonomy of another human being and, and, and even her own existence outside the bare animalistic desire to mother and raise children, but really not to raise them, just to mother them, just to be a milk producing thing that even though she has so much fucking power sprinting around in the guts of this fucking nightmare mausoleum to her own sacrificed mothers, she still fears the withered 
patriarch who cannot barely speak and lays in a bed of ruin and filth in a bunker of his own making where he can just continuously replay the hits and watch the viciousness and the filth that he has committed upon the world and upon the women he thinks himself better than replayed again and again and again. These two women a black woman who just came to Detroit because she wants a fucking job and barely could even stay in a B&B while fe- feeling safe. And this fucking amalgamation of pain and misery lay bleeding on a fucking abandoned street in Detroit with a gun between them. And it's a kindness. It is a fucking kindness when Tess shoots her to death. And that's the end of the movie. Nothing else. Fuck you. Fuck you. Barbarian says, fuck you. Eat a fucking whole bag of dicks, America. Fuck you. You know what happens when you stop looking at the mirror? You can't see what's inside of it anymore. The mirror goes dark as far as you're concerned. It is a perfect film. It is perfect. I love barbarian so much i can barely fucking think when i fucking think it's amazing i'm so glad i spent this much time talking about it i thought i was going to talk about some other stuff i'm going to bail on some of the other topics i was going to get to barbarian is fucking perfect it fucking slaps man the only thing i wanted from barbarian was more because I'm a fucking American and I had my fill and I want enough is not enough. God damn it. I look forward to everything that this guy's going to make. I want to see the next movie so bad. This shit was perfect. And in closing, I'll, I'll fucking wrap it up. Let's talk about politics and movies one last fucking time on the way out so that I can really just fucking wrap this up. This is how you put fucking politics in movies. And in, in, in any fucking narrative form, by fucking putting it in there, all right? I hate it when I watch some fucking shit like Jessica fucking Jones and the whole fucking screen, everything has to stop. Basically like a freeze frame so that somebody can say, oh, this is the problem. Oh, this is the issue. Oh, did you know that? Oh, I'm sorry. When you say this thing, uh, you're supposed to correct somebody And you know that, uh, I don't need another, this person, this person telling me that. Okay. You know why that's fucking stupid? Because those are fucking inside your head thoughts that aren't ever going to see the light of day. That's fucking play pretend bullshit, reassuring saccharine heroin for the brain that does nothing but make you think you're going to get on Twitter or have an argument at Thanksgiving with your fucking dad. That's going to change the world. It's not going to happen. But a movie like this, fucking perfect. It hit every note. And it didn't hit every note over the fucking head. This should address the political realities of the world in such a profound way that it made me feel good about movies again. And it's unironically the best horror film I have seen since probably The Lighthouse or Witch. Yeah, very good. Very well shot. Lighthouse is still fucking amazing, though. I mean, let's be honest. 
as we're wrapping this up and I'm coming to the end of, of talking extensively about this film, let me just say a few things. I love you. I love you and I respect you. If you're here in good faith, have some conversation with me. If not, have some conversation with me. Let's talk this out, all right? If you feel like I got really aggressive in this and this made you nervous or it's made you angry or you're the kind of person that said, I don't like that kind of horror film. Tell me why. Debate me. Talk about it in the comments. I want to hear it from you. I want to hear why you like, didn't like it. I want to hear why you liked it. Talk about how bad my fucking hair looks because I haven't put any goddamn moisturizer in it and I'm dry as a fucking straw man. Talk about how ridiculous my, my ongoing overly purpley prosy fucking diatribes are when I, I, I fucking stumble over one word so I add 15 more so that I can walk around it at a reasonable pace. Hit me up. And especially if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hit me a like, give me a comment, share this video. Tell, share this video with somebody who's like, I don't like this movie and tell them, fuck you, Tyler sent me. And uh, until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Hey, everybody. I have just realized that this episode, my discussion of Barbarian was extremely long because I do love that film. And I think that goes into um, some of what I've been complaining about recently. And I can't remember even if I talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but um, firstly, I am going to unfortunately cut the, uh, discussion of Sandman for now. I'm not going to not do it. It's just, if I do Sandman two, the Sandman series was so long and I want to do extra stuff with it that I think that this video is going to be too long. So, or this, uh, this video, this podcast, whatever, what, what have you is going to be too long. So I'm going to hold off on doing that. Thank you. Thank you for your understanding. I know no one cares, but I'm going to hold off on doing that. Um, but I would like to urge you, <clears throat> if you have a second, to uh, hop onto our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. Um, I upload everything there. So if you're a person, like as well as here, um, so if you're a person that prefers to listen to shit on YouTube and stuff, because you're at work, you're on a work computer, or um, you like to play games or anything like that, or, or do stuff and, and have YouTube running in the background. We also have all of this stuff on YouTube as well. And if you look on there, now we're starting to do uh, the majority of the HLC episodes as a video component as well. So it's me talking into the camera. It's not very much different from uh, the podcast, usually just a little bit more trimmed down sometimes. Um, basically just for YouTube TOS type reasons or, uh, um, because I look stupid when I'm talking about a specific thing. I, I it's not a big deal, but what I want to do with the, um, Sandman thing is that there's a few characters in Sandman that, uh, I just feel that the costuming and basically how they were presented felt like really wrong for some reason, which is crazy because, some of the costuming and presentation of characters were utterly perfect. So it's kind of, it, it just uh, absolutely threw me. And um, I want to try to just redraw the actual human beings um, and, uh, and do like a live edit of their costumes and how I think if they just kept the same actors and actresses, but changed their costumes a little bit, how much better it might've looked. And uh, I want to mess around and I'm, I'm going to do that live in Krita while I talk about the show. 
So um, if that's something that you're going to be interested in or you want to check out, go ahead, youtube.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. I, I think if you just search in Westside Fairy Tales, you'd get there. And um, also, and I know I've promised this a million times, but I'm, as soon as I get my office fixed, which should only be a couple months from now, um, because otherwise I'm filming my absolutely decrepit living room all the time and my, my rabbits and my dog run around in circles behind me, which I know you guys would probably enjoy, but is extremely distracting to me. Um, I, yeah, as soon as I get that finished and I can get back in there and uh, I'm in my, my more comfortable environment, I'm going to start streaming and doing a little bit of a uh, horror discussion, politics and uh, just riffing type stuff while, while doing art. So I'm basically, basically going to pick like some sort of art challenge or have something in mind to draw and draw it. And you guys can hang out with me while I doodle. Um, I'm a better artist than you might think. If nobody's seen my stuff, I've been practicing now for, I'd like to think that I'm a fast study, but I've actually been practicing kind of hard for a full year now um, doing almost daily drawings. And, you know, even when I'm not doing a daily, I'm doing my uh, architecture shit so I can design the inside of my office. Not, not in a fancy way, not in a cool way, literally just in the, it is a pain in the ass, difficult to, 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 to do angles and stuff way. We basically have a floating staircase that I had to build a curtain wall onto the side of. And that is like the hardest carpentry I've ever done because it's just all fucking math. I had to, I had to, I had to frame a triangle, which <clears throat> if you've never done that, um, in framing, if you're a guy that does framing, you're not impressed at all. You're like, okay, catch up. But if you're a person that has only ever done like square wall framing and like only seven or eight of those at that, it, it's a, it's a, of a high step up in skill to intermediate level. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that stuff. I'm getting that finished up and then the office is going to be finished and nice and, and, and back to me. And I think my stress levels and my privacy will have equaled out to a good way where I can get back to working and in comfort again. So uh, look forward to that. Hopefully we'll have that um, up and out and Adam soon. And you guys can uh, start hanging out with me, shooting the shit, and we'll talk about whatever the hell I'm talking about at the time. And I'll be, uh, I'll be drawing random, scary horse shit. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. So come check it out whenever you get a second. Again, that's Facebook or YouTube.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. Or just search Westside Fairy Tales on YouTube.com if that doesn't work. Also, just as a parting shot, if you like this program, if you like me, if you're like, damn it, Tyler, I wish you had more time to work on stuff and, and got things out faster and could do something like hire people, hire other people to do the shit you don't want to do so you can do the shit that needs to get done. Hey, man. Yeah. Go ahead. Support us. Please take a second. Pop over to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. If you, if you hop in there, you can get programs like this ad free. Start to finish, no ads in it. Um, with the exception of I might occasionally advertise myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you can hop over there, you can get uh, ads, ad free episodes for even just a dollar. One dollar, no more ads on anything. You hate the ads? One dollar, no more ads. You also start getting stuff a little bit early, you get updates. Five dollars or more, you really get into the party. You can get behind the scenes stuff, behind the story episodes. You get PDFs of all of the individual episodes that you can go read Well, they're not PDFs anymore. They're EPUBs, which is better. I assure you. And 
yeah, it's it's good shit. It's good, good shit. And you guys should check it out. I think you'll really, really like it. Patreon.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. And of course, if you're out there and uh, you got a second and you don't want to do any of that stuff, but you have a podcaster, podcatcher, please just uh, like this episode on it. Comment, leave us a rating, leave us a review. I don't think, I have not gotten an Apple iTunes rating or review in like six, no, maybe like, maybe like a year. And I'm not complaining about it. And just as an aside, I think that just, I don't think anybody wants to use Apple Podcasts, Connect, Apple iTunes for podcasts anymore. And that's why I don't get them. Because the thing that aggregates um, comments and reviews for me uh, only takes them from iTunes. So all of my ranking and shit only comes from iTunes. It doesn't look at CastBox. I think it might look at, what is that called? Stitcher that nobody really fucking uses anymore. So I, 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 I don't see anything. So if you're leaving stuff on CastBox, still do it. Still do it. I really appreciate it. Every once in a while I do pop in there and I'll see them. Um, just know that if I don't like respond to it, it's because I have no way of knowing that it's there unless I actively log into the website, which takes fucking longer than you might think. And then um, actively search out sometimes specifically episodes that people are commenting on because it lets you comment on the episodes and not just in a generic way on the entirety of the podcast so but if you get a second you know uh right now and you like this you enjoyed this you hang out chilling so i'll feel good be my friend man be my dude be my rotten soldier <laughs> my one-time guy uh and and leave me uh leave me a review if you don't mind uh, and I now really appreciate it. And of course, we're always on Twitter at uh, WS Fairy Tales, Facebook, Westside Fairy Tales. Pop in, leave a like, comment, subscribe, all that cool shit. I don't know how to do this stuff correctly, but let me just tell you in parting I love you guys. Love yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Go outside and enjoy the last bit of warm weather before it gets absolutely frigid for everybody except for you people in Florida. Don't go outside. Uh, leave Florida temporarily and then return at a future time when uh the winds have ducked back down beneath 57 miles an hour and with that um yeah that's the end of the program so until next time as always stay safe out there Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. 
Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlo Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.